Hello there, I'm Paul Church. I'm the director of the Anemo Group and your host of Talent and Growth, the podcast dedicated to all things talent attraction and retention. And today we're joined by Lauren Payton, the CEO of Unleashed Consulting, a LinkedIn top voice, and we're discussing how to support the female talent in your business. It's a great episode, lots of takeaways. I hope you hope you enjoy it. Here's Lauren. Lauren, welcome to Talent and Growth. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Really good, thanks. Really good. And look, I'd love it if we could begin um, with a little bit of background on yourself. You could maybe share with the listeners your your journey uh, and what you're up to now. Yeah, absolutely. So now I work as a mindset and strategy coach, and basically I'm all about getting more women into senior leadership. Um, prior to this, I spent plus 15 years working in strategic and brand marketing. And I was working for businesses like Amazon and Disney. It took me kind of all over the world. I was in London, in Sydney, in Tokyo. And in that time, I was really focused on building brands, acquiring and keeping millions of customers, really focused on big strategic thinking because it was consistently required to smash targets that seemed like they were impossible on a regular basis and leading the high performing teams that were necessary in order to do that. So I spent a lot of time really learning and experiencing what it takes to really grow and inspire teams and what for me were the right and the wrong way to go about doing that in these really challenging environments. I left Amazon in 2018 and was feeling very strongly that coaching was the area that I wanted to explore. And I also really wanted to bring together the other things that I'm passionate about to affect the kind of change that I want to see. So I'm very much a feminist. I very much believe in equality. I want women to have more and I want there to be more women in rooms where key decisions are made. I want them to have more financial wealth. I want them to have more influence. I think particularly now more than ever, it's becoming so clear that it's really important that we have more women in, in all of these spaces to inform the most effective decision. So that's something that's been kind of consistently important to me. And I've also worked in some very tough environments myself that are driven by typically masculine energy and will be quite male dominated, particularly when you get through senior levels of the business. And I really felt like that didn't work well for me. It didn't necessarily work well for other people, men and women. And I wanted to create a business that re that could really help to create a different way of leading and a way of leading that I felt like would help more people to succeed and particularly help more women to succeed because that's what's super important. So now I'm doing this work as a mindset and strategy coach. I'm also a podcast host myself. I'm a LinkedIn top voice for gender equity because I'm just always banging on about it. <laughs> and my focus is really on increase, increasing the influence, authority, wealth and success of women in business. So I do that privately through my own coaching work. I do that in groups. I do that with businesses. So I work with um, organizations like BBC, Amazon, Barclays, on various different programs and initiatives supporting women in their businesses. And I'm all about enabling people to lead from a place that's more connected to emotional intelligence, empathy, vulnerability, and authenticity, because that combined with increasing the number of women that you have in senior roles is what derives, it drives better results for your business, it drives better results for your people. And it's the kind of thing that I think is, is incredibly important now. So that's how I got, that's how I got here. 
Fantastic. Thanks for the overview. And of course, we're going to be talking um, pretty in depth around uh, gender equity. Before we do that, you just you just mentioned something which kind of st stood out to me in the sense that you um, you learn a lot around how to, to grow and inspire teams. Um, what, what are the things that kind of stand out to you in general terms for that? Um, there can sometimes, from my experience, certainly, I think I think businesses can get very caught up on the amount of work that needs to be done and what comes with really pushing people incredibly hard. And if you've got the kind of people who respond well to that, then you do still get results. Um, but that does come at a cost. And I think particularly post-pandemic, we're seeing that actually people are now questioning what that cost has been and, and really paying attention to individuals, giving people what they need as an individual I definitely spent a lot of time in in spaces where there were very rigid models for behavior, very rigid models for success. And what that means is that you have some people who will fit into those boxes and who will fit into those models and they can have success, they can thrive. But people who don't either have to completely reshape and remold themselves or it's not a place for them. And certainly for me at one point, it was a case of trying to reshape and mold myself and it taking a huge amount out of me and not being at my best and not being able to deliver to the kind of level that I would be able to and actually then recognizing that that wasn't the right kind of space for me. So I think I think it's really about how do you care for people and not see them as a commodity. That's kind of my, my biggest thing now is, you know, we've kind of really been commoditizing employees for a long time, I think, in particularly in a lot of bigger businesses and and how do we actually really give them some care and consideration and understand what they might need on a really individual basis as much as is humanly possible? Yeah, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? It's not that long ago um, that working people to the absolute brink was kind of the norm. You know, that's kind of how it went. Uh, now, of course, here we are. But of course, the pandemic has made everyone think and everyone maybe stop. Uh, and we were on that journey anyway, but I think that it, it kind of sped things up. And of course, you've got the new generation kind of hitting the workforce. And they're just, you know, that's not for them, is it? So mm -hmm. which is obviously mm -hmm. good all around. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think it's it's really forced a lot of change that there had been resistance to and that there had been this, this sense of, well, we can't possibly do it that way. It's always been done this way. It's going to be far too hard to make that change. And I think a lot of businesses have actually been forced into making it. And it's ended up people have, have had the ability to ask those questions and see there are some businesses now that are offering much greater things in terms of flexibility and in terms of, of benefits that are much more connected to your well-being as a person and not just kind of putting a slide in the office and having beers on a Friday like you know that stuff's fun but that's not enough to really get the best out of you and to care about how you are um and seeing work as something that so one thing that I get quite tired of that we still see is this narrative that work is something that you're not meant to really enjoy you know, it's something that pays your bills. And if you've got a job and it pays your bills, then you should be happy and you should go in and you should work really hard. And obviously it's important to have the bills paid and it's important that you have an income that supports your life. But at the same time, that narrative has really, has really played into this whole thing, you know, and it's played into this whole thing of people really working to the bone for very little back. And I think now businesses are really being challenged to say, well, OK, I'll come in and I'll work for you. But what are you going to do for me? 
how are you going to make the most of having me here as an employee, having me be somebody who's bringing my best self to work? What are you doing to support and sustain that? And I think that's really important. And, and I think there's definitely still resistance, but I think it's quite an exciting time from that point of view, particularly for people who are actually looking for those kind of jobs that give them more satisfaction and not just a paycheck at the end of the month. Yeah, 100%. And I think um, creating a more inclusive culture has been a huge drive uh, for businesses in the UK and probably worldwide. But if we look at the UK over recent years, um, authentically, or maybe just to tick a box, whatever, but either way, it's been there. It's been a, been a topic. Um, where do you think we are in general, do you think? What else needs to change? Um, I mean, look, change is happening. And that's good. It's better that change is happening than there's not change, but it's still not enough. You know, we're in a position where in the UK, there's roughly twice as many men in senior leadership positions than women. So women are still wildly underrepresented. You know, only 6% of CEOs are women. It's 32% of directors. When you look at VC funding that goes to all female founded businesses, it's kind of sub 1% most of the time. So we've still got this massive lack of representation when, you know, for women, we're making up slightly more than half of the population. Um, and I think what we've got is a really broad problem that starts from quite early on in all of our lives and all of our experiences that results in, there's a gap of entitlement between, between men and women. So women tend to feel less entitled to these senior roles. They feel they have to be working to kind of 90 to 100% of requirements before they can have a job, whereas for men, it's sort of under 60%. So we've got all of these differences in kind of attitudes as well as just the ability to progress. So certainly from a gender, um, a gender inclusion perspective, we we've still got a long way to go. Um, I think in terms of in terms of what needs to be done, there has to be a willingness to change. There has to be a willingness to recognize that this is a problem across the board. So it's not just literally, OK, well, how do we get? more women or more people of color into our business it's how do we change in order to appeal to get more people in to support them more to create an environment that is more inclusive that is more diverse and what can we do in order to actually help improve a pipeline because the pipeline becomes a really easy excuse you know there's not enough people applying so we'll just not bother like well if you if you don't have enough people applying that suggests that actually it's not a lack of talent it's a lack of appeal of your business for that talent because the talent exists it's absolutely there and it's not difficult to do a modicum of research and find it um and so it's about actually looking broadly at an organization and really kind of understanding what change needs to be made um and there is the desire to improve it as you said but there is also a resistance to the change that's necessary in order to make that change. You know, it's um, it can be challenging. It's not necessarily completely straightforward, but it absolutely has to start from the top. And I think that's kind of one of the most important things is that this isn't something that is solely driven by an HR initiative. This has to be something that's driven by the most senior person in your organization so that it feeds down into every single area. Um, if that's what the genuine changes that you want to make. Otherwise, to your point, it becomes box ticking. Is, it, is that resistance, do you think, or in your experience, what you've seen, is that down to uh, systemic problems uh, in the institutions themselves? Or is it down to maybe leaders of businesses just thinking, God, this is going to take a lot of work and I'll probably be better focusing on this over here? 
Yeah, to be honest, I think it's a combination of things. I think it depends. It depends on the person. It depends on the organization. It can depend on the industry. I think, yeah, certainly systemically, there is still a large amount of sexism. There's a large amount of racism, homophobia and so on. And that does still impact. And and it will be the more unconscious things that are having a lot of these effects. You know, so so that is certainly something. I think there is this element of, oh God, this is a really big job and I'm really busy. And so I'm going to put this off or I'm just going to do a little, I'm just going to do like a little bit. We'll just get somebody in to do some talks for International Women's Day. We'll do some stuff for Black History Month. And then that's it. We've kind of done it because it's too big and it's too hard. Um, I think it can be, I think it can sometimes be a little bit scary. And, you know, I think for people who are in that position, that's where I feel like a lot of compassion and the right kind of support is important because you know you're being asked to really reflect on how you've been doing things and you're being asked to change and that can be a little bit scary and that can feel overwhelming um and it might be that you're not equipped in the right way to do that and so how do you need the right level of support to make it happen um i think some people just don't see it you know there is just it is a bit of an ignorance to it being a real problem um, and that makes change impossible because if you don't even acknowledge that it's something that needs to happen, how can you possibly change it? Um, and I think there's also there's another kind of fear, which I think happens in it, there's kind of more specific situations that where this happens. But I think, you know, where it's businesses that have really got a have had a very particular type of person succeed consistently for a very, very, very long time. There is a fear about what that might mean for them. And will they have to share? And that I think is also quite embedded and, and causes causes resistance as well, which is unnecessary. Um, but it's it's there and yet it's just a bit of a cocktail. I think it can be, you can have all of those things applying in one organization, depending on the person that you're speaking to, um, which is partly why there's not necessarily, you know, there's no, I mean, I wish there was a silver bullet for this stuff, right? But unfortunately there isn't because we've got all of these different things going on at the same time. Yeah, absolutely makes sense. What what are some of the the common problems which um, females typically face, in, female talent faces in the workplace? What what are the, what are the things that consistently come up? Um, so flexibility and lack thereof. Um, so women returning from work. I have got quite a few clients who are women who are back at work after a year, eighteen months. Um, after having a baby and there is a there is a large change that will be happening in the organization there's also a very large change that happens for them um and providing the right level of support but also the right level of progress you know there's this there there's this feeling whether it's real or not it depends on where you are but there is this feeling of well I've stopped and I've gone and I've had a baby and now I've gone back I've taken two steps back and now I've got to go I've got to work even harder just to get back to where I was um so that's certainly something and really equalizing god really equalizing like childcare because it's consistently seen as just a thing for women and like you know strangely it's not just women who make babies you know so actually how can you be supporting men better because if this becomes something that is for everybody it's no longer just a woman thing you know um having flexible policies that support you in having a child and raising that child are no longer a women's problem they're just something that is supported that everyone is supported with and i think that's super important um there is still a degree of sexism and it's changed because you know there's 
there's sometimes resistance to me saying this because people think, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not asking her to go and get the coffee and, you know, we're not kind of being inappropriate with a secretary in a lift anymore. So, you know, it's not really any sexism, but the fact is it is still there and it's still there in much more subtle ways. And it is things like, you know, I think phrases like mansplaining get used in ways that are not helpful, but actually there is, and there's data that supports this, like the number of times that men will interrupt women in meetings and actually the amount of airspace that men have in meetings versus women is significantly different. And so that just can make it really hard. It can make it hard to feel like you have a voice. Um, there's still, there still can be a bit of a boys club element in some businesses that you know doesn't exist doesn't exist in all of them but that also excludes women from feeling like they can kind of be a part of it um and then also when you've only got senior level men if you're in a business and you don't see a single woman at the boardroom if you don't see a single woman at kind of c-suite level how can you possibly think that that is something that's available for you in that environment you know the belief is then well i'm gonna have to try even harder i'm gonna have to work even harder to get there um and so I think it's just a lot of these things that really need exploring. And again, none of which have got a simple, straightforward answer. But there, there are a lot of things. And I think it's being really open. The challenge is people being really open to hearing about that stuff and hearing about where things aren't working and where it's hard and where it's harder for women. Um, and, you know, obviously, then if you layer on other um you know, you kind of layer on further kind of intersectional conversations around this. Like it's even harder if you're a woman of color to feel like you're in that club. There are even fewer women of color at C-suite. So, you know, we're we're adding on like additional layers of challenge and additional layers of of things that people have to kind of fight through in order to succeed. So, yeah, there's there's definitely kind of a lot. The data are out or the or the. Um... I suppose the evidence you've seen or, or, or heard about in, that, that shows that females get less airtime in meetings. Is that, um, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of reasons for it. But one thing that stuck into my head is perhaps perhaps because there's only one female in that meeting and thus there may be, it may be harder for, maybe maybe it's a, they feel less comfortable perhaps or made to feel less comfortable because they're, they're not represented in an equal way. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that absolutely does make sense. And yes, that is definitely a factor. A factor, and yes, definitely. So the the more yeah the more people that there are that you can relate to in a space the more comfortable that you will that you will feel you know something like imposter syndrome for example which you know is something that we talk a lot as being something that women in quotation marks suffer from actually imposter syndrome is significantly higher if you are the only person like you in a space so if you're the only woman in a room full of men, you will you're more likely to feel imposter syndrome. And as a result, you're going to be even less likely to speak up and to put your hand up and to and to speak out loud. And I think also it's important that we think about the 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 kind of cultural and societal programming that women go through from the point of being young girls. Girls are more likely to get messages like, well, you you know, it's it's unladylike to speak up and it's, you know, it's not appropriate for you to kind of be shouting and yelling and raising your voice and screaming in the same way that boys don't really get that same message about being loud. Um, and that actually kind of just stays with us for a really long time because we kind of build this message of, well, if I use my voice, if I speak up and if I'm being visible, then that's a negative thing. 
And so we've also got all of this additional stuff that we're having to work through in order to be at the point where we can actually speak in a room full of men, you know, so it's, it's another layer. Yeah. I think imposter syndrome is an interesting one because I think that's, that's uh, the narrative around that is that this is something that females have um, and that's ingrained, but actually I think, I think more and more, I think we can see it's not that it's that, it, whoever, if you like, you say, if you're the minority in a room, or you're not, you're not you comfortable in your surroundings, then you will feel that imposter syndrome. You know, whatever your gender. Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. So, you know, if you're the only, um, if you're the only state school educated person in a room full of public school people, you're pro- you're going to have a higher likelihood of feeling imposter syndrome. It's not an absolute, but so yeah, if I, this notion that imposter syndrome is something that we are, well, firstly that it's a syndrome like it's a medical disease that we get and it's incurable and we just have to find ways of managing it. Like I can't be doing with that narrative. You know, this is something that happens because of the environment that we're in. And this is a way that we feel as a result of being underrepresented. And it is absolutely possible to overcome it and move past it, but it's not solely on the women. Again, it's always seen as like, oh, you feel imposter syndrome. Okay, well, we'll go and get you some help and some support and, and great actually what do you need to do in the environment so that whichever group of people you're talking to feels like they actually can have their voice and they they can recognize where they are equal and the same you know and and that's the yeah absolutely I, I think it's we've just really kind of fallen into this trap of imposter syndrome being a a bit of a catch-all answer for women struggling to progress in business and it's definitely not the absolute answer for sure no, hundred percent. Um, so, if a business wants to start uh, tracking or really pushing that they are correctly supporting their female talent or not, how do they identify it, and then what steps should they take to to action it in a positive way? Um, so, my first answer to this question is always ask them. Ask them what they need. Ask the women in your business what's important to them, because every business is going to have different things already in place. Each business is going to have different cultures and different things that are set up. So there isn't necessarily a blueprint as such, but actually just start by having conversations with the women in your business and then listen to what they tell you. So if women are saying what we need is X, we need better support with flexible hours so that, you know, it enables us to have better childcare. Like, how do you actually make that happen? And I see quite a lot, there's a tendency to assume what women need and assume what the problem is without actually kind of having the conversation. Or if they say this is what we need, there's a sort of dismissal. So if you really care about it, just listen to the answers. It's really important. And so that should start to give you a really clear picture of what is actually happening. And I think also you can look at your own data. So, you know, you'll know within the data of your business, how many women do you have? What is the pipeline like? how does that representation change as you move through seniority in the business? If you've got 50% of women who are coming in at a junior level and you've only got 5% at exec level, you've got a problem. So have a look at your data and see what does it tell you? At what level do you start seeing a drop-off of women progressing? And therefore, okay, well, we know that it's at kind of mid to senior level or we know it's from senior to director level. What do we need to do within those levels to support women in the best possible way and at the levels above? What programs are you providing for them? You know, are you actually genuinely putting things in place that helps women with this, but also that helps everybody with it? You know, so as I mentioned before, 
there's questions to ask about who is driving this. So is it a women's resource group that's made up of a group of mid-senior level employees or is your CEO backing your initiative and backing this change? Because there's a massive difference in the amount of progress that you'll be able to make and the ability to influence your culture based on those two different um, those two different ways of it being supported. And looking also at, you know, if you're running, if you're running events and if you're running a program, have a look at actually who is attending them. Is are you doing events that are talking about things that are challenging for women and they're only attended by women? Because actually these conversations are really important for men to be included as well. So firstly, are you making men feel included in these conversations? Are you making it something that is accessible for them? to come to and to join and also are the men encouraged to do they feel like they can are they willing to be a part of these discussions these conversations I did a I did an event a couple of weeks ago um which was attended it was a women's it was a women's event and it was attended by a handful of men across the various different businesses who were asking questions around how can I do more you know how can I be a better ally and that's incredibly powerful stuff and so, like, how can you actually make sure that that's happening as well? Like, we have a tendency to just see this as a women's problem. And really, it's it benefits everybody anyway. But we really need the support of everyone to make these kind of changes. Yeah, absolutely. And what are the differences between supporting males and females in the workplace, in your opinion? Um, I mean, not being male, it's <laughs> I've got obviously I'm very much colored by my 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 very my very own personal experiences and, and the work that I do. But you know, the the reality is that the world has been built majority by men. You know, pretty much everything around us that influences our lives in a major way has been created by a man or groups of men. And so men are naturally in a position of thriving better. You know, we tend to have particular ways of managing that we see that are very they're very set in this, and I'm intentionally using the word masculine energy because it's not specifically just about men and female. This is really about that kind of type of energy that's being held in these. You know, we have this tendency of assuming like that's the way that you need to manage in order to be successful, the way that you need to communicate in order to be successful. Um, you know, emotional intelligence is something that women are women are conditioned to demonstrate more actually than men are, and that's because of how we are conditioned from from the you know kind of day dot but actually a lot of those skills are still not really considered highly valuable in in businesses um and actually i think that can impact you know that impacts men who have got a lot of emotional intelligence as well as women you know i think there's a kind of overlooking of that as a as a real skill and it's incredibly powerful for business um you know we talked before about how difficult it is to communicate um and a lot of women that i i work with and and that i know feel like they struggle to make themselves be heard um and you know i think sometimes the the way of communicating that we have set up and that we're just so used to you know it's a big meeting room you're going to all say your piece you're going to do your presentation whatever it might be you might actually have people who are not able to be heard in that space um and a lot of the time you know it's it's women more likely to be um men who aren't being heard in those spaces and you're missing out on brilliant things so how can you make changes to, to those kind of environments so that they're more inclusive and that you're actually allowing lots of different voices? You know, because a lot of these things are they are they are just generally better suited to 
they're generally suited to men and, and what I mean by this is like the way that men are socialized because I I don't like getting too much into like the kind of natural tendencies of men and women this is really about socializing and how we are kind of conditioned over time you know um and I think also there's kind of a tendency of going well if you want things to be equal here's how we do it and you just need to do it the same way you know and that's not that's not necessarily equal um and yeah men and women just need different things I mean you know obviously we know that that women are are much more likely to be bearing a lot of the the kind of unpaid labor that you know is is what goes along with um you know having a child having a family running a household all of that kind of thing women are much more likely to be bearing that and so there are differences in what women need in order to support them there's also differences in what men need in order to actually have that be equal um and i think for me the longer term question kind of becomes like how can we support people in all of their differences how can we make different voices be heard how can we have more flexibility and you know i think it's just acknowledging that not everyone kind of feels the feels the same and responds the same and behaves the same we've been talking a lot about um what the businesses should do um, and the steps they should take um to improve things what, what, what advice would you give to females who don't feel supported in in their workplace um I mean, I would definitely suggest getting support from somebody external, be that a coach or a mentor. Joining networks is really valuable. It's really important that you don't feel alone. Um, you know, does your business have an employee resource group? Can you start one? Um, I think having a space where you can share your stories with other women is incredibly helpful. And, and this is something that we kind of see consistently um, that's, that's just very useful just just to kind of help almost more support you emotionally than anything else. Um, but then also, you know, do you need kind of coaching? Do you need mentoring to help you with, um, to help you with your skill set, to help you with your perspective, all of that kind of thing. Women do tend to seek external approval. Um, and actually that can be quite challenging to receive. So how can you work to switching the approval to being much more internal and, and, and sort of seeing and recognizing your own success, like building your own confidence, building that skill to seeing your own value and not needing that external appreciation for what you're doing. I think also there's there's an importance to having conversations within your business as senior as you can possibly manage about what is happening and what needs to be done. How will it improve the business? How will it change things for everybody? Um, and I think this is like a really important angle for these kind of conversations is that, you know, having more women at a senior level benefits the entire business. It benefits everybody who works there. It benefits the, the performance of the business, you know? So, so I think that's, that's a really useful kind of way to approach that conversation is how can we make things better overall? Um, and then what do you need to get it? You know, do you need training? Do you need people to come into the business and actually kind of educate? What might that be? Um, I also think it's really important that you find allies in, you know, that you find allies and, you know, that men are allies. Um, you know, as I said before, this isn't just a women's problem. So how can you find, you know, how can you actually get support from lots of different groups? Um, I'm currently working with a business where their, their gender diversity work is being championed by men and women. You know, it was men and women who set up their working group to actually start affecting these changes like that's how you really make change more effectively is that if you have 
a greater number of allies across the business. Um, and I and I do very much believe like if you can't change your organization, change your organization. You know, if you're if you're in a space where in order for you to progress and get to the level that you deserve to be at, that you're going to have to go through huge amounts of emotional labor and work in order to get there, in order to really be appreciated, then I just think find a place that will appreciate you. Find a place where you can actually have that from the beginning because those places exist. You know, I don't think that I, I certainly don't believe that you have to you have to stay if you're the only woman, you know, if you're the only woman who's kind of at, at that level, I don't believe that you have to stay if it's hard and if it's not working out for you. Um, you can choose to stay and that's fine and I support that, but I just don't think that you have to feel like it's my responsibility to be here and to fight this fight all on my own if no one around you is joining you in the battlefield. You know, I think it's um, I think it's important that you're in a space where you can affect change. Um, and in some places it's just right now, it's still just hard. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of what I would say. Absolutely agree, Lauren. And uh, yeah, if you are listening to this and uh, you don't feel supported in your business, um, be reassured this is the most competitive labour market we've ever seen. Uh, and there would be companies out there who would you know, love to have you, I'm sure, maybe treat you treat you uh, in the way you want to be treated. Um, final question, Lauren. Um, what is the blueprint advice you would give to businesses and leaders who want to support their female female talent in the business authentically? I think the key word here is authentically. So if you if you want to do it authentically, that means that you want to take it seriously, that you genuinely recognize and believe that it is a problem. Um, so being open to listening, I think, is one of the most critical things. Be open to listening and be open to change. Um, recognize that it's it is absolutely the right thing to do, but it's also good business, you know. So I mentioned before, like businesses that have got more women to perform better. They have got better people results. There's better profit performance. So it just it just makes sense <laughs> to do it, you know, and to really care. Um, as I said before, I think it's really important to pay attention to what women need. Be open to hearing things that are uncomfortable. So just because you don't see or experience it or experience it in the same way doesn't mean that it's not real, doesn't mean that it's not happening. I think there's a need for bravery and allowing allowing levels of discomfort, allowing, allowing the notion that you're going to need to be changed, that you're going to be pushed into a space that feels different for you and that that's a good thing and not a bad thing. I would say start, don't try and be perfect. If again, you're open to listening and being authentic, then actually, if you're open to feedback and changing and you're creating something which has got the ability to adapt, then then just begin and and find a way of ensuring that you can change it and, and really respond quickly to making things better. That's far more effective than getting caught up in knots about needing it to be perfect because that's that's more damaging for the people who... Are in your business if you're waiting until it's perfect then that you know people don't know that you're trying to make it perfect they just see that nothing's happening and I think that can be a really big problem as well um as I said don't just make this um a women's problem don't just make this your black employees problem don't just make this your LGBTQ employees problem like it's an everybody 
uh, it's an everybody issue um, as it is with everything. Be properly flexible, not just like you can work one day from home if we analyze your situation and we deem it appropriate, like actually be properly flexible. And that doesn't mean that everybody has to work from home. It just means allowing flexibility and allowing people to make the choices that, that allow them to then work in the best possible way. Um, I think also looking at your whole business is important. So, you know, how are you, how are you hiring? How do you get people into your business? What does the pipeline look like? Something that we hear a lot is, particularly in spaces like STEM, um, is, you know, that, well, the pipeline's not there, so shrug. Um, so what can you do to improve the pipeline? Like, how can you get involved? And again, it comes back to this word authentically, because if you authentically care, then actually you're going to want to do what you can with the pipeline. You know, there's businesses that um, that I know where they are working with girls in secondary school and A-level on helping them to get more involved in engineering, for example. So like there are options to do it. If you feel like a pipeline answer is satisfactory, then I don't think you authentically care. Um, and then how are you supporting the people through the business? Like, what are you actually doing for the people who work there? What are the policies and procedures that actually protect people? You know, what actions are you taking when something happens and when there are incidences of misconduct? Like, are you actually taking these things seriously and responding in a way that supports and protects people who are um, on the receiving end? Um, and I always say, like, don't be satisfied with the first set of data because the first set of data can be consistently misleading. Um, you know, this is, the, this is the same week that the social mobility head said that girls doing their A-levels didn't choose subjects like maths because they find it too hard. And again, shrug. Um, so aside from like my abject horror at the fact that the women responsible for social mobility is saying this kind of thing, like this is a, it's a very, for me, it's just like a lazy way to look at data. So the, the fact is correct. Girls choose maths at a lower rate than boys do. But why? Why is that? It's not because they don't like maths. It's because they've been told that maths is not a space for them from the age of nine. Girls start to learn that that's not a space for them. And it's the same in your business. You know, so is it that women don't, while well, women don't really want to be doing this kind of job, because we've got fewer women applying for it. Don't be satisfied with that. Dig into it, really understand why, um, and explore it. And, and I think the key thing is just, don't be satisfied with any of this. Like, we wanna change this. Don't be, don't get to the point where you think, ah, oh, you know, it's fine. Like, you know, we're not there yet, we're miles away. And, and small steps is important, but sitting on a butts doing nothing is, is not good enough. So you know, really being being committed to making changes is key. Fantastic. Lauren, thanks so much. Really enjoyed this conversation. Um, I'm sure our listeners have as well. Um, if they want to reach out to you um, to get your advice on anything at all, what's the best best way for them to do so? So I'm on LinkedIn, Lauren Payton, P-A-T-O-N. You can find me there. My website is beunleashedcoaching.com and you can get in touch with me on that. You can send me a message through the website. Uh, you can email me lauren at beunleashedcoaching.com as well. I'm always happy to hear from people. I'm always happy to have a chat, have a coffee and talk about this kind of stuff more. So please do reach out if you'd like to, if you'd like to have a chat about any of it. 
Amazing. Lauren, thanks so much for being a part of Talent and Growth. Thank you very much, Paul. It's been really lovely to chat.